This week on The Reverse Stick, gone is the mopey scepticism. We turn over a new leaf and embrace all that is good and wholesome about our great game of hockey. And welcome once again. It's a bright new day here on the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. I'm your very happy co-presented John Lee, and joining me is uh, equally as very happy Matt Allen. Yes, equally as happy John. One, two, two, one, two, two, one, what? two. Episode one, two, two of the Reverse Stick. The club wasn't checking the mic. You know what? It was one, two, two. How's that? You know what next week will be then? What? One, two. Three, three, two. What is that? A Richie Bano reference? No, no, it's just nothing really. Right, okay, there we go. I was just trying to be bright and happy. A bit like this show, nothing really. Uh, welcome, welcome, <laughs> welcome, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world of hockey. It's great to have you join us for yes, indeed, episode one, two, two. Lots to talk about today, John. There um, is, Matt. What like, have you got on? I'd like to think it was all positive. Um, obviously, we've got the Sam Ward uh, retiring. No. Not retiring. Re- no, not talking about okay. it. Okay. And we've got the uh, the Punjab police incident. No, that's uh, not pretty in, positive. In the Nehru no, Cup. No, I'm not talking no. about that. No. Um, uh, we've got the Yannicka Shopman uh, sacking. No, that's uh, not positive at no? all. No. Um, we've got the indoor hockey being cancelled in South Australia. No, that's not, that, no, that's not positive. Uh, you got something... Good and wholesome. Yes, oh, I, ha- no, I have, I have indeed. What? Um, the World Cup going to um, to Babaniswar and Rural Keller once again. Yeah, that's um, positive. News. Well, let's go to the news and find out what's happening on the field. Well, at the moment, when you clip on the In Progress tab on the FIH Match Centre... It comes up with no results because there's nothing going on at the moment, Matt. At least not at the international level. There's plenty going on around the hockey world and we'll get to that soon. Um, some previously, we've had the uh, Central America Development Tournament. It's a Hockey Fives Tournament. We've mentioned that before. It's all got done and dusted. Or did we mention this last week? I don't Puerto think, Rico I don't, I don't finished think, on top. Yeah, I not finished. I don't, think, I don't think we got the finals quite, yeah. did we? Uh, Puerto Rico finished on top. Uh, Costa Rica second. Guatemala third third and Panama fourth that's for the men and we do a double click and we'll get back to the uh, women's results and Guatemala at the top Costa Rica in second spot and Panama third Guatemala 2-1 winners in the shootout after a 1-1 draw in the final against our TRS World 11 captain Mons Baquero of Costa Rica Uh, coming up We've got some test matches happening uh, between Argentina and Germany for senior women's. They'll be happening in Buenos Aires from the 1st of 8th to December. Then there's a Three Nations Under-21 tournament for women happening in Canberra here in Australia from the 3rd to the 8th. And the Southeast Asian Games are on in Laguna from the 4th or to the 10th of December. The Laguna's in the Philippines. Both men and women outdoor hockey will be... Pl- uh, sorry, indoor, senior men's and women's indoor will be played at the Southeast Asian Games. And Ashley Morrison's going to be up there, apparently. I'm not sure that he's commentating hockey, but I do know he's commentating something like 16 sports. His first, <laughs> his first picture it, uh, popped up on his Facebook feed today. Oh, did it? Yeah, it did. It's on there with, with him, with the, uh, the mascots and everything, the ah, mural okay. behind him. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So look out for indoor hockey going on there at the Southeast Asian Games. 
There's a few uh, international games coming up as well. We've got. Oh, you just sorry, you just said Germany, didn't you? We've got yep. the, did you say the under twenty ones? Yep. Here three, in Canberra. In, yeah, three nations invitation. You know, I was reading my screen. I wasn't listening to a word you were bloody saying. <laughs> <laughs> what has changed? Uh, pa- Pakistan Junior Championships. That's yes, on they're at the coming moment. up. Oh, yeah, you're right. They're on at the moment in uh, Lahore. There's uh, 19 teams playing in four pools. One pool of four, and the others are with five. So uh, good to see the numbers turning out there for the nationals. Yeah, and here in Perth we've got. It says junior. It doesn't say if that's what age group that is. So I take it's under twenty ones or something. Yeah, and, about. You, and you've got to bring your passport along. <laughs> They're well, all sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sixteen going on twenty-seven. The USA national championships are going on at the moment. That's in ju- uh, Tampa Bay. That's juniors. Yep. Yeah, uh, mostly there's a women's section to that as well. I take it that's senior women's. Um, as well as under-12s, under-14s, women's, uh, both 7 and a side and 11 a side in the under-14s. It's two separate grouping um Hockey 7s? Hockey 7s, I know. Uh, Under-16s, under-19s, and what I think is an overage women's competition as well. 148 teams, 2,500 players across 15 fields there at Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, they're expending, expecting players, coaches, umpires, about 7,000 people all up. Biggest... Hockey event for USA field hockey. No, we did do a retweet. Uh, I've actually retweeted on the Reverse Stick account from you yesterday that yeah. some of it's being streamed. It is being streamed. Yeah. Check it out. It's being played on grass too. No, actually, they're using a new hybrid apparently, Matt. Oh, are they? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, a sand and an organic synthetic thread. Soil based. Yeah, it's it's based in soil. And yeah. it's, it's using organic nylon. Right, fantastic. And is it uh, is it blue or green? No, or it's green. It green. It's called grass. Right. Oh, well, that's it's fantastic. Well, the FIH love that. On we, it. we can play internationals on it now, John. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It's uh, games I've seen were under 14s and under 16s, I think, but not a bad standard for grass hockey. Um, fields look pretty good, and um, great to see them out there enjoying themselves. Yeah, be a great tournament to be involved. What in. What a festival of hockey! Exactly. What else have we got that's positive, Matt? I can only oh. do positive. Are you sure? Oh, that's the news. Okay. Oh anyway. no, no. Here we go. I've got something positive. Just talking talking about turf. There was there was something that popped up from. Uh, no, yeah, no. I do it now. Tiger Turf, um, based in the UK, the pitch manufacturers. They uh, they've made a um, a pledge that if basically got this thing called Ecocept. It's it's a revolutionary product made from 100% recycled plastics. A seamlessly paved base layer. Ecocept can help you. Help make your old pitch part of your new one with our unique recycling technology. So when they tear up your old turf, they do whatever they do to it to um, to recycle it and then use it for your base for your for your new one. That's pretty clever. Yeah, good stuff. That's what we want to hear. The FYH love that. All this uh, eco concept is fantastic. Well, it's an expensive project, so I imagine any way we can reuse the resources we've already paid for. It's a- Good thing. Well, a full-size Ecocept field saves up to 112 tonnes of CO2 emissions. This is the equivalent to planting 112 trees. Oh, no. <laughs> or how, many, how many Olympic swimming pools is that, Matt? I don't know. Uh, yeah. or saving the CO2 emissions from an average-sized car for 22 years. Oh, yeah. And you can hear more meaningless statistics here on the reverse <laughs> stick next week. Uh, more positive stuff. We'll get to it. Hello, I'm Nick Irvin, and you are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. And we'll continue on the Reverse Stick in a very positive way, 
Did you see this story, Matt? It came out on the 6th of November. We should have been all over this. Art and hockey combined to celebrate Olympic values. Style and grace are two words that are synonymous with the Japanese way of welcoming visitors to their country, and that extends to national teams qualifying for the Olympic Games in Tokyo 2020. All teams that qualify, either via Continental Championship or through the FIH Hockey Olympic Qualifiers, we'll get to that in a second, more to talk about, uh, they will receive a beautiful memento of the occasion, a gift of hockey piece of artwork carried out by the renowned Japanese calligrapher Hamano Kishin. On the banner is a depiction of hockey players accompanied by the words gift of hockey along with traditional Japanese symbols which translate as believe and good luck. The motto, Gift of Hockey, is the phrase chosen by the FIH to promote the values of hockey in the lead-up to the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. These values include inclusivity, equality, community building and respect. Values that mirror the aims of the Olympic movement. Mm. In giving such a beautiful and timeless piece of art to each qualified national team, FIH is also paying tribute to the concept of legacy. Handing something to the next generation. I've, um, I've still got a bit of a touch of Olympism in my, my legacy. <laughs> Again, this is a value that lies at the heart of both the FIH and the IOC. Mm. Good friends. It, oh, yeah. Anyway, this is a good bit. The calligrapher, 44-year-old Hamano Kishin, has been pursuing his art since he was just five years old. When he was 20, he received the Grand Master Licence for Calligraphy. He's created more than 3,000 pieces of calligraphic brushwork for all types of businesses and organisations, but has also expanded into traditional Sumi paintings, which are black and white brush paintings with inspirational messages. Should we get one down at the Magpies? My favourite. Uh, as teams continue to earn their places, well, we know who they are now. These unique pieces of artwork will serve as a constant reminder of their own Olympic journeys. Hashtag gift of hockey. Might have to find the gift of hockey and retweet well, artworks. I, I think it's credit to the Olympic movement and to the FIH to get such a star of, of the scene to do this. I mean, he would have to be my favourite calligraphic artist of all time. Just super. Really? What's his name again? Hamano. Um, yeah, Hamano. Just absolute classic. You know, what a... What an artist. What a gift gift of hockey. Well, each team's getting one, I take it. Right, why? Well, I I think the squad will just, they'll have it for two and a half weeks and then you hand it to the next person. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way, that's what they're going to do with the medals, isn't it? Yeah, uh, they're getting... From Paris onwards. Yeah, just one medal, then you share it around. Yeah. yeah. Take a a a photocopy if you want. Yeah, well, I mean, nickel's an expensive (laughs) product at the moment, so... (laughs) You know, you save a little bit of money, sharing them around. That's what it's all about, isn't it, sharing? That's one of the, the things that we promote in our game, sharing. Yep. Surely. Um, okay, let's keep going with the show. More positive stuff. More positive. Oh, okay. Here's uh, something very positive, and it touches on what you've just mentioned there about the Olympics. And, of course, the South African women's team are yes. making their way to the Olympics. Now, go on. Well, should we go through those pools? Well, I'll just I'll read this this little post okay. here now. This this popped up from Sportways SA on Facebook, and uh, it's some content taken directly from Mr. Donny Jurgens, uh, who's the acting president of SA Gymnastics, and it says it gives insight into how our SA women's hockey team has been included in Tokyo 2020 Olympics. 
Um, so oh, I'll go through it briefly. Uh, over the last few weeks, something, sorry, this is from Donnie. Over the last few weeks, something quite remarkable happened in sport in our country, culminating in two landmark resolutions being passed at the Sascock AGM on Saturday, the 23rd of November. It's a fairly lengthy saga, but let me try to summarise briefly. The Sports Federation, of which I am the acting president, SA Gymnastics Federation, was one of about 11 federations that did not sign their agreement for Olympic participation, set by our mother body, Sascock. Olympic places are hard to come by, and the criteria set by Sascock would have meant that there was a strong possibility that we would be granted a place by our international federation, FIG, and the IOC, by virtue of coming second in Africa. But the criteria set by Sascock would imply we do not take up this spot and it be offered to, a, to the country that came third. It's more complex than that, but that's just one example, of course. We were unhappy with that, and we called for a special general meeting of Sascock. In order to do this, we had to get the support of at least uh, a third of Sascock affili- affiliates. Icy drink? Uh, refreshing. Very Ooh. refreshing. That's 30-plus today. Uh, uh, so they duly did that. This AG, uh, SGM happened on Friday the 22nd of November. It was well attended. I made a hard-hitting presentation, which ended with the video of a past gymnast who was previously excluded from Olympic participation. I go on. Um, so these resolutions were passed unanimously by the Olympic federations. One, team criteria and selection process for the 2020 Olympic Games each national federation will provide Sascock staff with their selection criteria for 2020, whose minimum standard is the international federation's criteria. The net effect of this will be that the staff of Sascock will enter athletes' teams into the 2020 Olympic Games as per the instructions of the member Olympic federations, in compliance with the criteria set by the national federation. Two, Team South Africa financial policy for the Olympic Games. We propose that if Sascot cannot raise the funding to send all athletes, coaches, medical team and support staff that qualify for the Olympics, that this should not prohibit their participation. All federations wishing to send participants to the Olympic Games may be required to make a financial contribution towards the cost, with the proviso that it includes the full funding situation must be presented to all Olympic member federations, no individual athlete be taxed in any way to attend the Olympics, and there can be no form of economic discrimination whatsoever. All agreed transformation targets must be met. What does this mean? Every single Olympic Federation who is a member of SASCOT, whether you signed an agreement with them or not, may now revisit their criteria, align themselves with the criteria set by their international federation, and inform the staff of SASCOT to enter their athletes. Previously, the lack of funds was an excuse not to send athletes. That is dealt with. The mistaken notion that leaving some of our top gymnasts behind would improve the performance of, of, uh, their, fortunate, of their fortunate teammate is also dealt with. It's unfortunate. But uh, what rubbish, by the way. Excluding your top athletes will improve the performance of the rest. Uh, this is an a momentous occasion. We don't have to get the OK from a staff member, board member, etc. We are Sascock and we instruct the staff of Sascock, whose salaries we approve to carry out our instructions. We can no longer be bullied. The downshot is that the ship has already sailed for the SA Canoeing Federation and the SA Women's 7th Rugby Team. The upshot is that the SA women's hockey team, African champs but consistently rejected for the last three Olympic Games, is now going to the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. It's up to hockey to decide whether participation will be in their best interest or not. So, besides the specifics of the Olympics, over the past weekend, the federations have also asserted their power and reminded board members and officials uh, of who Sascock actually is. Um, Donna Jurgens. Fantastic. A bit, of, a bit of people power, a bit of... Um, Federation and sport power and wonderful, not so wonderful for Korea, but wonderful that South African women's hockey team are going to Tokyo. And we didn't think that was going to happen, did we? Uh, it was doubtful. Yeah. Even the South Africans didn't think they'd be going. No. Uh, no, Tyron was 
very sceptical about it all, but um, great. That is positive news. Good to hear. And, yeah, well, you know, the Koreans might be disappointed, but they were only going on a technicality, weren't they? Yeah, well, it, so it's good that a team that has actually qualified through the right channels is going to be there. And it shows the importance of that Ireland Canada women's women's game for the for the Irish as well. Yeah. Um, because yeah, they they if they if they had lost, then they didn't have that backstop that they thought they probably w- were going yeah, to have. That's right. Good positive stuff, Matt. Thank you. Very well done. <laughs> is that the positivity? Well, rim we, shot. I got one for you though. That's our scary. Is it? It's our scary. Now, um, I'm staying positive here, remember. Right. We've had discussions over the last few weeks about several issues involving hockey fives and Olympics and governance and all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. And TV's been part of those discussions as well. It's obviously going to have, well, broadcasting generally more than TV is going to have a big impact on the game, either positive or negatively. We're yet to find out in conclusively. But uh, a story caught my eye on the ABC Sports page uh, here in Australia. Australian Broadcasting Corporation. That's it, the government-funded broadcaster, who um, supposedly is a bastion of good journalism. Not bad. This is a pretty good story. It's it's about rugby union. Now you might be asking why are we mentioning a story. We are going a bit multi-sport today. (laughs) No, but... Um, it's a story about Rugby Union and, and the latest to do with their TV broadcast rights. Uh, they're coming up very shortly. And um, Fox Sport, who has for many years been the broadcaster of Rugby Union in this country predominantly. Pay-per-view. Uh, pay-per-view. Um, has walked away from the, the deal, saying they're not interested in what rugby's proposing to them. Um, that's opened up the doors and there's some talk now that Optus, who've uh, owned the rights to the, the Premier League yeah, here in this, yeah. in this country, um, they're, uh, they're now rumoured to be in, in the mill for it all. And there's a, a couple of other people talking around. There's a um, racing radio might be interested, not the racing radio, wagering uh, giant Tabcor is a potential... So, okay. Uh, all right. So, we, so a couple of you mentioned there. Optus are a broadband and phone service provider. Yep. Um, so, and they pay big, big money for the Premier League soccer. Uh, Tabcor are a betting corporation, and so yeah. I imagine viewing would be through the betting app on your phone. They, you can then get the live stream. I've got that with uh, with an account that I've got on on other sports. And look, the, the piece is generally talking about the. The pros and cons of what rugby should do in the position it finds itself in. Is it better off taking less money from a broadcaster like Foxtel uh, or go for the big bucks for someone like Optus and the pros and cons of what that might mean for the sport? But, uh, towards the end of it, it, it broadens out its focus a little bit and I think it's something that's worthwhile for hockey people to consider. Um, now, towards the end of the article, uh, I'll pick it up from basically the... Uh, it's the conclusion. Foxtel's new sports streaming service, KO, is growing and recently reported over 400,000 paying subscribers. But overall, the business is battling. And of course, KO's been showing hockey here in this country, Hockey One and the Pro League games, etc., etc. The advent of online streaming has disrupted the Foxtel business model, which is in debt and has huge cost base associated with legacy cable-based operations. News has had to lend it $500 million in the last year and is going to have to give it more money in the future. 
that according to that's, um, a parent, that's the parent company. That's the parent yeah, company. Yeah. Now this is all according to um, uh, Brian Cox, who is oh, sorry Peter Cox, who's a media analyst here in Australia and gets on a few of these uh, sorts of stories when they're looking for opinions. Um, it is in a very precarious position talking about Foxtel. The emergence of a technology company as a future bidder for sports rights could yet change the game for Australia's sporting codes, but Mr Cox is not holding his breath. We need a reality check all round for the administrators, the players and the television networks, Mr Cox said. This is where it gets interesting. Wagering giant Tabcor is another potential sports right bidder, having recently purchased the right to show selected US sports on its broadcast and media arm Sky Racing. Mr Cox said sporting bodies needed to work hard to invest in products that will connect with a younger audience while also having to make difficult decisions around balancing broadcast rights agreements. Sport is an old demographic and that demographic is dying out, he said. Younger people have many other leisure and entertainment choices. This is the existential threat to sport as a whole. And that's where that story ends. You can find it at uh, abc.net.au and uh, click on the sport. Go to news, sport, and it's in there somewhere. Um, but that last couple of lines, uh, sport is an old demographic and that demographic is dying out. That is the existential threat to sport as a whole. And that's the dynamic we're talking about our game within when we're talking about how we're so far behind. These are sports. Rugby is in a far better financial position than our sport is. Yeah. And they're talking about it being you know, potentially a demise of what of that sport and what they have at the moment. Oh, but they play their players serious money. I, I was uh, listening to a podcast in the week talking about the future of television. We've got this this idea that people aren't going to get their eyes on things unless it's on uh, mainstream, free-to-air TV. Well, the, the fact that they were they were saying in this pod is that 18 to 25 year olds do not watch television. It's just it's just not part of their world at all. Um, so we've really got to take that in in, in mind when we we've got the the view of of TV deals. We've certainly spoken about before that it can be potentially damaging to sport to hide things behind a paywall, particularly when people have been used to seeing them all the time. Let's take cricket as a great example here, and, and cricket in the UK as well that's sort of seen a big drop in popularity once they put everything behind Sky Sports. Um, yeah, where do you pitch yourself? It's a difficult uh, question. And, and one that we, we all sports will have to grapple with. Now, we've on other occasions had discussions about, you know, um, what is the origin of the organised sport that we have today? And it very much grew out of England in the in 1850s to 1900s. Um and get some relief for the factory workers. Yeah, and, and, and how it developed to the point we are now. Well, previous to 1850 well, or 1800, is... there was no organised sport, no. very little organised sport. It was, you know, uh, well, the get-togethers. Ori- the origin of sport comes from the word disport, doesn't it? And that's to take yourself away. And that's yeah. that, that, that's the, the base of sport. Yeah, and, and it's... It's interesting how a sport has evolved just in the last hundred years, and I wonder what the evolution of sport is in the future. When you look back, in uh, we had people who were moving into the industrial height of the industrial age, and and that's where it came from. Yeah. Uh, where where are we at the? We've, we've ended the industrial age. We're into a, a different age. The cyber age. And and is that going to once again change the nature of the way people go about their daily lives and 
are we losing the communities that were created that could allow those sports to develop? Well, what's it? And is what, it, it e-sport? Are we going to see a situation where there's, there'll be a World Cup that's played entirely from people's bedrooms? Yeah, well, that's, I don't think there's any doubt that that's happening, but it, it, you, you look at, um, you talk about those origins of sport and a lot of it was based out of church teams. Um, Factory teams. Now, and now sports clubs are the new churches. That's, this, this is where people are gathering. This is, this is where communities are together and formed and have a, a central purpose. All right, I'm not saying that religion is dead. Um, I don't want to upset anybody in, in, in that respect. Um, Jesus Christ definitely is. Uh, he might come back again. No, no, no. He's no. not. Isn't he? No, I see him every Tuesday morning in, in, in the mirror. corner of Murray and oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, where are we going? Church or the hockey stadium? No, but it's 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 a problem that we're going to have to grapple. All sport will have to grapple with what is the changing moods and swings of society as a general whole. But just just look at how we're going with TV. Disney Plus recently um, launched in the past week or so. We've there's about 200 different subscription services available here in Australia from through sport and TV and movies and and everything that's out there. Um, you can't pick all of them, can you? So it's going to go a lot more niche. Um, there's this talk about building the viewership outside of the traditional hockey family to grow the game. We've got to build it within the hockey family. Exactly. So this, you know, that's, that's our niche. The, the, the niche is, is our current market that's, that's there. So let's focus on that. I think we've got a security alert going on at the moment. Oh, if we've got Maggie the podcast dogs just back from the beach by the feel of it on my legs. Yes, definitely. Uh, you might hear it rubbing up against the wall in a second. And Maggie. Yeah. Um, anyway, we'll throw that idea out there, start a conversation. Perhaps people might have thoughts on it. Oops, that's the wrong button. <laughs> no, that wasn't me this week. I didn't press anything. I didn't change anything. No, you didn't. This is Pumele Lambande, captain of the champion Blyde River Bunters, and you are listening to the Reverse Stick Global Hockey Podcast. And Fumi's going to the Olympics. Yeehaw. Good honour. Well done. We'll be following her trail. Now, uh, we are going to go to uh, to India, John, and we're going to talk a little bit about the announcement there this week. But just be, uh, just just before we um, we do that, a little bit of a little bit of audio for you. Uh, now, this is uh, a YouTube clip uh, from the Nehru Cup. The Punjab Police taking on. Hang on a sec. Punjab Police taking on the Punjab Bank. Um, I thought this had all the audio on it. No, it hasn't got the audio on this video. This has got lots of text. Oh, this is fantastic broadcasting, mate. Thank you. It's brilliant. Um, we'll just play it and turn that down. We um, just set new standards there. But we, uh, yeah, there was obviously an incident that uh, gathered a fair Is this positive, mate? No, I'm just going to go through it anyway. Did you see it? No. I, I, yes, you did. I saw the posts. I've read some of the reactions to it. Do I really need to watch a video of a bunch of blokes running around swinging wild haymakers that connect with nothing and sticks on each other? You know, yeah, I mean, it was. Look, um, I mean, there was a few ex-internationals involved in that game. Apparently, there's history with Punjab police. Um, they <laughs> they uh, they don't mind wielding a stick 
um, here or there. The if you saw the video, there were stadium announcements from the the tournament organizer Kuko uh, Walia. Um, I got the translations uh, done from our friends, the Push Pass pundits, uh, and he was shouting over the the Tanoi, "Please play in the spirit of the game, else both teams will be suspended." Uh, and then later on, he's saying, uh, "Punjab, please, please." Anyway, this continued. Uh, and, and then the second part, he addresses the Punjab police captain saying, Gerbaj, please stop your players. Uh, so the, the, the fight started when Sarvanjit Singh hit a player. Um, geez, it carried on a fair bit as well. Uh, but some um, lengthy bands coming for oh, yeah. both I, of those sides. Hopefully they get uh, what they deserve. Yeah. Um, what do you say about it, really? I'm disappointed, mean, but mate, it's, it's not as if I don't know that it's specifically something to do with India. It happens. Oh, well, look, I, yeah, look, well, I have, but I haven't seen... Not often, not saying it's uh, something... Yeah, but it's generally been two or three individuals involved in an incident rather than 22 players involved in the incident. Um, oh, I can remember a game standing at half line with the, the opposition centre forward looking at a, a brawl going on in the opposition D while it was bucketing down with rain on a field that it was essentially two inches of dirt on top of a concrete parade ground at an Air Force base. Right. And we just stood there looking at each other and laughing at these because no one, every time some bloke tried to throw a punch, he's, he'd lose his footing and fall over. It was funny as. It was the funniest fight you've ever seen. But yeah, we don't, we don't condone violence uh, and we try to avoid it wherever possible. Look, it's a bad look and they should get what they deserve. Um, you know, if, there's, if there is an existing problem with the, that particular side, maybe it's a good thing it got captured on video yep. and it's been exposed to everybody. And now we all know that they're like that. It's not just an isolated incident. Maybe it can be fixed. Well, no, and there, there was more that's rep- a positive way to look at it, Matt. More, more, more repeat um, reports from um, Jazz, Jazzpreet Sani that there was another incident last weekend, but they didn't have any video footage of oh, that. Oh, really? Involving the same team? Not the same team, no, somewhere, somewhere else in India. Ah. Whilst we're going somewhere else in India, John... Yeah. Let's go to the Kalinga Stadium. Okay. Um, Is this your bit of audio? No, that was no. I can't find that now. Don't worry about okay. that. Um, in fact, I'll turn that, turn that down, turn that off. Um, yeah, we had the big announcement. Uh, the fireworks. We had uh, State Minister, Chief Minister Naveen Patnak on stage alongside Dr. Narinda Batra, President of the FIH and the Indian Olympic Association, to make the announcement that. Uh, well, we thought that was going to happen anyway, didn't we? We um, did. Ah, that bit of audio. Yeah, I sent that through to you, didn't I? Yeah. Um, now, the, the news... Oh, do you want to play it? The, the news was broken on the last uh, episode <sighs> of Push Past Pundits by Mahir, saying there's an announcement coming up and uh, Bubanaswar would be hosting the, the World Cup um, in 2023. Now, the surprising thing is it's not just going to be Babaneswar, that it's going to be a multi-venue, so the city of Ruakela will also uh, host some of the games there. I hear, here's my little bit of audio here, just uh, just to say Nostradamus is in the room. Oh, yeah. Have an idea of where your venues are going to be. Uh, there may be some debate still in, in India where it's going to be, but I can't see it not going to a dish. I just... It just... Uh, Maybe there might be some pool games played elsewhere. Maybe something goes to Chennai. Maybe some, you know, maybe something goes to Kolkata. Who knows? But I, I yeah, I think uh, you, you, it, would have to be nailed in for it, wouldn't it? Anyway, there we go. Bavanaswar yeah. nailed in for it. Well, I, I wasn't wrong. No, I look forward to your prediction that the sun will be rising tomorrow and the sky <laughs> will be blue as well. That should be a really good. 
Um, but no, so yeah, some announcements happening there. There's new tourists being built all over the state in uh, Orissa or Legacy. Legacy. Well done, FIH. Legacy. Uh, and uh, a new high-performance sports centre, um, or, um, hockey centre, being built around the Kalinga Stadium. Uh, does that mean that Bangalore uh, could be on its way out? As the They're not building big-size turf, so are they? I believe they are. I well, they're they not are. building Hockey 5 turfs. No, but they talked about these Hockey 5 turfs three or four years ago, that there was 50 of them were going to be built all over the country. Um, and nothing seemed to materialise with that at all. Um, look, like, like we spoke about in the latest edition oh, of the Push Pass Pundits, and don't forget, you can subscribe separately to this from this podcast and check out pushpasspundits.com or find us, uh, Push Pass Pundits on Twitter and on Facebook at Push Pass Pundits. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we talked about, what did we talk about? On Push Pass Pundits? Yeah. Lots of stuff. All right, check it listen. out. Listen. Yeah. I did Lots listen. of stuff. And talked a lot. Well, you know, you know, I've been a long-time advocate of hockey fires, man. I think that yes, they yeah, should be yeah. diverting all of that spending to, you know, promoting hockey fires because it will be the sport of the future. Positive, <laughs> Matt. Positive. Be positive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, positive all the way, mate. Yeah, it is. Now, um, yeah, splitting it between the two, what, what's the general feeling from those in India? Do you positivity. Think? positivity. Yeah, yeah. Po- yeah, positivity. Obviously, people would have liked to have seen it go to other cities. Um, it's about uh, I mean, 500, I un- 580k drive um, yeah. or, or an hour and 10 minute flight from, from BBI to Rokella. Okay, uh, let's face it, India can sometimes be difficult to get around. That's not having a sledge, it's just the fact that that can sometimes be difficult. So... And given the time frame, because the time frame would have been two weeks, that's as long as you'd be given to host the event. Yeah. It, it's never likely to be going to too far from one venue if it's going to be going anywhere else at all. No, because of the time constraints. and it's, un, it's unlike rugby where they've got a week between games and they can go from one city to another, or football where they have several days, if not a week, between yeah. games. We're, we're asking players to back up every day or if every second day. Um Perhaps what they could do, and I've raised this on Push Past Pundits, is look at widening the World Cup window to a month. So you'd have two weeks where you could play pool games spread across different cities, and then there'd be a week off to the quarterfinals or whatever finals you wanted to have, and then another week off before the grand final, mm-hmm. the, the World Cup final. And that, that would also give teams a chance to recover. We've seen what teams and the sorts of hockey teams are capable of playing when they do have that time off through the Pro League. So it might be something that actually raises the standard of hockey in those final games. Teams will have the time to recover, injured players to recover, that sort of stuff. Look, if you want it's to... an idea anyway. That way you could have a pool, pool games in Perth, Adelaide, four pools, Perth, Adelaide, um, Hobart and Brisbane, and then you could have the finals played between Melbourne and Sydney or something like that. And it could be done spreading the the teams out, the venues out. Mm-hmm. But in the case of a World Cup, because it's so intense in such a short period of time, it's very, very difficult to try and spread the games out. So you've got to give them applause for trying to do that. How well it works in that condensed period of time is going to be another thing. 500 Ks is, it's still, you know, five hours by car. But no, it's about a 10 hour drive. 10 hour drive. It's not the best of roads. So they'll be flying. Yeah. One and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's an, it was an hour and five minute flight when I had, had, had a look okay. at it the, um, the other day. Uh, Good to spread the word though. Yeah. Look, and I think it's, that's positive. I think, I think it's shown that, um, Odisha are committed to hockey. They're certainly, they're committed to all sorts of sports and they're, they're putting a lot of money in there. That's, I remember what we were talking about on the push past pundits. It was that perfect storm of government will, um, the sport will 
and also, most importantly, the corporate dollars that, that are involved there. And Mahir said uh, it takes a lot of pressure off the FIH and Hockey India because they just say, hand it over to us, we'll sort it out for you, you'll get your $3.5 million dollar check, Terry. Well, let's hope it all works out. I know there's still a lot of bad sentiment attached to this decision. Uh, not so much that I heard very little rumblings about the idea that the Dutch and Spanish share it, mm. and that seems to be generally accepted. But the, um, still a lot of consternation about the fact that the men's tournament will be going back to India. Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. Does, you know, does your national association want to make a multi-million dollar loss on a hockey tournament, mm. you know? Uh, you can, you can go and have a look at that announcement anyway. It's on Hockey India social channels. It's on FIH.live. Uh, Chief Minister Pat Naki got a few laughs from the crowd and, and the, the Indian players, all the Indian men's team were, were there sitting in the crowd. I had to find out every time he said, uh, cushy, people laughed. I didn't get the rest of it, but apparently cushy is, uh, means happiness. There you go. Oh. There you go. That's positive. <laughs> You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Did I say that right? Hockey. Hockey, hockey. I'm John Lee. You're Matt Allen. I am. Um, Something positive. Walking hockey, mate. It's taken over the globe. It's just exploding. Maybe we should send walking hockey to the Olympics. Well, I saw a little newspaper article. In fact, somebody sent me a text yesterday from the Perth region. Uh, and they were running a four-week walking hockey program um, just to see how it goes, inspired by... Other Perth clubs. Excellent. Yeah, well, like, I'll take that. Oh, yeah, you should. <laughs> You've done wonders with the walking hockey here through Fremantle Hockey Club and all the other wonderful work like uh, Douglas Hockey Association in uh, Queensland is yep. doing a lot of good work. And um, oh, a lot of it ha- starting to kick off in Europe as well, especially England. There's a lot of programs uh, kicking off there. Uh, and, Karachi, um, it's yep. happening. Japan, it's happening. Uh, I believe there's something happening in the States. I don't know, in Canada, there's something happening. Um, so, well done, Alan Gormley, for igniting the flame. Now, do you remember at the last FIH Congress, they, uh, the FIH gave an award to um, Thomas Bart, very well deserved for oh, his yeah. services to hockey, because yes, yeah, he's yeah. done so, so much. much. Very yeah. positive yeah, award, yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. I reckon we should start a, um, a, a movement. Give it to Alan. Hashtag give it to Alan. Whatever that award was, the next Congress, give it to Alan Gormley. I think you got UK Coach of the Year in 2016 after Back to Hockey. Um, okay. And, and, and that started starting off and spreading across the country and across the world as well. A great initiative there. Um, yeah, w- walking, I've, I wrote a little piece for our club newsletter a couple of days ago and just talked about the, the positive benefits of it. And if you've got a hockey club out there, Get walking hockey started. It just it it can give so much to your club. And I've I've said before on the show, the the former club legends that I'll go and play walking hockey with. It's just amazing. It's so heartwarming, and the stories that are coming back from people about the positivity, uh, about how they're feeling better, they're moving better, they've got something back into their life. Um, how much they love hockey and, and it being part of their life again. And this can only be positive for our clubs and, and give us that true sport for life. So get bloody walking hockey into your club. There's and you no know, excuses. It, there's another upside for clubs too. You make a killing on cups of tea and lemmingtons. <laughs> it's a real spinner. Well, that's the beauty though. They would like Friday morning group. They have their, their morning, morning tea after the game, you know, yeah. cup of tea and some cakes some and that's. But the, uh, sorry, that's, yeah, Friday morning is the Monday afternoon. They finish at 5, 5.30. Beer. 
have a have a stubby after you know after your game. Just the one, because obviously most people are driving. Um, but it's a, it's a lovely way to um, increase and build that social element. Yeah. And it's also we've got the juniors following on after the the walking hockey and just the face to face meetings where people haven't seen each other for twenty years. People are used to coach others <laughs> as kids, um, and, and those kids are now coaching you know people, grandparents and, and, and yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. And so, everybody, hashtag give it to Alan. Whatever the hockey award is, the big one that Thomas got, we should give it to Alan. Oh, look, and any, any excuse for Alan to uh, do some more retweets, including <laughs> at the reverse stick, because I wake up every morning with about seven notifications. Uh, doing a great job and uh, bringing people back to the game and in introducing new people to it as well. What else have we got? Uh, well, we did talk about the petition from the USA men's and women's national team. Any word on that? Last week. Uh, nothing's come through from the email that I sent through to somebody involved there. Um, but what we did get is the word that, that uh, Janneke Schopman is leaving the top job for the women's national team after when she, she was appointed assistant coach in March 2014. Uh, they also served as head coach of the under-21 women's national team, 2016 women's junior world cup team, uh, and in 2017 took over the role of the U.S. women's national team head coach and led USA to a gold medal performance at the FIH Hockey World League semi-finals in, in Joburg. Uh, I bet they all love that gold medal, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, uh, she's on the way out. Uh, USA Field Hockey will undertake a recruitment process to identify a new head coach for the US women's national team. Now, is this something reactionary to that post that came out from the, the teams? Well, apparently not. And um, There's much sadness by whoever's behind those accounts on, on social media that she's on the way out. Uh, I don't think that will be the last uh, person we see leave a role within well, USA Field Hockey. Was there any reason given for her departure? No, nothing oh, at I, all. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange press release. Uh, I imagine that perhaps you know a contract would have had something to do with Olympic qualifications. Perhaps maybe it was written into a contract. You don't get us there. That's it. Well, maybe the, she was only contracted to the end of the Olympic qualifying period, and then it was going to be decided. You know. If you get through, you'll be extended to take them to the Olympics. Well, there was got through, so there was no mention yeah. of of her role within the petition that went out. There was lots of talk about everything around it and support structures, infrastructure. Well, maybe spend, she got the chop because she's part of it. She's she's in with the people that have put that out. There you and go. I don't know. Maybe you don't know if no reasons given. More to come on that one. I am sure. Let's be positive though and talk about the uh, twelve teams, men and women that are going to the Olympics because oh, yeah. their pools have been decided. The pools are out. So we're starting with the men. Two pools, A and B. Uh, first pool A, Argentina, Australia, India, Spain, New Zealand and Japan. Uh, pool B will be Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Great Britain, Canada and South Africa. On the women's side, pool A, the Netherlands, Germany, Great Britain, Ireland, India and South Africa. Pool B will be Australia, Argentina, New Zealand, Spain, China and Japan. Any pools of death there, mate? It's tough, tough, tough wherever you are, yeah. Well, when, when you look through, let's go through the men, A and B. Uh, first up, A, Australia, Argentina, Spain and New Zealand are all going to be playing pro league. Mm-hmm. Uh, India and Japan won't be... Oh, no, no India, India are playing pro league. So one, two, three, four, five. Five of the teams in Pool A will be playing pro league. I think Japan will struggle because they're not going to be able to get the consistency of games against top-level teams. Ooh, I don't know, though. Blue Samurai 
Asian Games champions. They surprised a lot of people then, didn't I, they? They could surprise some more on home soil. Look what the Japanese rugby team did at home in the in the recent World Cup. They could do, but they've got to finish in the top four to move on through the tournament, mm-hmm. and that's going to be extremely difficult. Argentina, Australia, India, and Spain. No, so you. That's New Zealand. Uh, no, throws Aust- New Zealand in there as well. Australia, India, Spain, and Japan go through. Uh, well, big tip. Do I write these down? Yeah, do that. Matt's Australia, India, Japan, and Spain. Yeah. In Pool B, you've got Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, Great Britain, who will all be playing Pro League, and then you've got Canada and South Africa. Yeah. So the top uh, four go through that. You'd think that's what's going to happen. Uh, that's not to say something. You'd have to see things go pear-shaped for one team really badly for either the Canada or South Africa to get through, but it could happen. Uh, on the women's side of things, Pool A is the Netherlands, Germany, Great Britain, Ireland, India and South Africa. Netherlands, Germany and Great Britain all playing Pro League there. You'd think that they'll go through just with the games under their belt. That last spot, Ireland, India and South Africa. Could be Ireland and India playing for that last spot. Mm-hmm. Wait to see how the fixtures come out. Maybe that'll be the last of the Pool A games. and It'll be a real cracker to tie things up. Pool B, Australia, Argentina, New Zealand, Spain, China and Japan. Now that's a, a pool with five teams will be playing in the Pro League. And Japan. Uh, so, uh, once again, I'm going to say I, I see it hard find it hard to see Japan qualifying past the pool stage, and you're going to tell me, yes, but they're Asian Cup champions, <laughs> Blue Samurai. A lot of samurai, like, yeses. Uh, no, what, what are they called? Uh, not Cherry Blossom, that was a rugby team. What's, uh, there isn't a nickname for the girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that, that, and that, that a lot, I think that's a, that's a real tough a tough pool to, uh, to call there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think China have got there on the on the strength of having their and their performances in the pro league have been strong at home, but less so away. And I think they might struggle in Japan. Um, just that home and away thing might be too great for them. Anyway, that's what the pools are. Good luck. They're decided. They're on their way. For everybody else, it's um, review your program, start planning for the next four years, and uh, right the wrongs of the past, and yeah, see sa- if you can't qualify for the next one. Sack your coach. Sack your coach, get rid of your high-performance director, um, retire several of your oldest players, even though they've probably been the best players in your team for the last two years. Um, what else do they do? Uh, I don't know. What else do they do? Well, the administrators will stay the same. Of course they will. Pay rise. You're listening to The Reverse Stick. It is the Global Hockey Podcast. What else have we got? Oh, not a lot, mate. I'm going to have to make a move in the moment, so we'll get through the last couple of bits. Of course, just a, a quick one. Don't forget, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Reverse Stick. Um, if you see a post come up from us, particularly related to one of our podcasts, please retweet, share, like, tell your mates. We appreciate that. In fact, we should make it mandatory. If you're not a patron subscriber, that's the way that you pay for this show. How does that sound? Fair enough. Uh, but if you do, you'll want be to... enforcing that, will you? But if... Sorry, I've got a bit of ice in my mouth. It's very hot here today. <laughs> but if you do want to uh, uh, support us with a little bit of cash, that would be much appreciated. You can go to patreon.com forward slash the reverse stick, and we've got some different tiers there: player, star, legend, um, and you can uh, contribute what you want to contribute there. We are eternally grateful to all of our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, we thank are. you, thank you, and uh, thank you. Uh, two more things for me here, John. Okay. Uh, indoor hockey, obviously, coming up all around the world. Hockey South Australia last week uh, posted on their Facebook, it's with regret that Hockey SA have to inform you 
that today we've received contact from the Lights Community and Sports Centre regarding our use of the facility oh, yeah. for the 2019 indoor season. Oh, this one's not positive at all. The issue that has presented, presented itself is the markings left on the court from the sticks. Even after our best attempts to limit this last week with the introduction of protective tape, and therefore Hockey SA have been advised that we can no longer use the facility for indoor hockey. While we understand and share your frustration with this announcement, it's unfortunately a decision that the Lights had to make to protect one of their major assets of the centre. Hockey SA apologises for an inconvenience that this, any inconveniences this may have caused. So, no good for the, uh, the indoor players there in Adelaide. I've got a radical idea, Matt. Mm-hmm. I, I know this might be shocking to some people. How about they go to an outdoor field and put boards up and Ooh. play it on an outdoor field? There you go, because they've got some of those there. They have. It'd be indoor-outdoor hockey. Yeah, and you could you could put it down to five a side if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, but I think keeping it six would be a much better idea. But uh, is it, honestly, yeah, I'm I know, being serious I know, about I that know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's, 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 there's no reason. Well, look, it was it was proven it can be done by um, the, the, the word that, well, no, the Balgatex oh, did yeah. in South Africa yeah. and, and painted a, 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 an, an, an outdoor indoor, indoor field, didn't they, for the, the series they had there uh, early Wake on your in the boards year? up out on a normal-sized hockey field, yeah. all that sort of stuff, and uh, maybe have a couple of ball people because it might go bouncing over the... That's even bigger boards behind the boards. Yeah, yeah, hockey fires boards. Um, yeah, right. That's it. Indoor hockey there. Uh, Sam Ward, obviously in the news. Oh, uh, that's not very re- positive, poor re- bloke. Re- oh, yeah, re- retire- retiring from. Well, there is positivity to come out of it because I reposted his one of his interviews with the BBC that meant you know that did say that he was retiring and uh, it was proven not to be the case. Um, it's going to be a long road back for him, bless him. It but is. There, there was a great little interview. Um, I, I put it on Twitter. I think it was titled All Class. Check that out. The positivity to come out of that message, John, was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, um, it's okay to not be okay. Uh, so all power to you, Sam. Absolutely spot on. It is okay to not be okay. And, uh, yeah, we wish you every success in your recovery. And if you're injured out there in the world somewhere, we wish you every success with your recovery. Maybe next week, John, we'll talk about headgear and uh, helmets. We will talk about and, concussions uh, next week. Concussions it's on and, the list. Yeah, and, and the way that we can look at Especially what we've been seeing in the last few weeks with effects it's had on players, etc. Yeah. And good luck, Sam. And look, he might never be able to get back to international hockey, but I don't think he's going to be lost to the game somehow. No. And there's going to be some unlucky bugger that's playing fourth grade or fifth grade <laughs> that walks out one day and looks up at his opponent and goes, oh, I recognise you from somewhere. Indeed. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, for show 122. We will catch you next week uh, with uh, hashtag global hockey podcast. See ya. Hey, There you go, mate. Got anything, anything uh, funny, to to, funny to say at the end here? Or you just you've gushed out all your positivity already. Hey? You've gushed out all your positivity already. It was pretty upbeat, though, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, I wasn't. We weren't Maudlin, were we? Oh, I meant to, oh, I meant to mention bloody African uh, Club Champions Cup. Kicks what? off um, tomorrow. Look, I'm telling you now. Uh, we will have an interview coming up. The, the teams aren't quite on site as we record, but... Uh, one of the people at Africa Hockey, kindly, is uh, going to get get somebody down the line for us. So we'll bring Excellent. you that next week. That'll be good. That's positive. Yeah, that's positive. Because I tell you what, it's wearing thing, this positive shit, mate. <laughs>